Hey family and welcome to Calvary Church Online. I am so excited that you've joined us today. Maybe this is the first time that you've tuned in to what God is doing here at Calvary Church and we want to say welcome. Maybe you could let us know in the comment section that this is the first time you've been with us. Also, if you're excited to be here, you can hit that like button as many times as you want. You can say something in the comment section. You can say amen. You can say preach it. You can say whatever. We want to hear from you and how this message and how the worship is blessing your life. Also, share this. Share this video, this link with some friends and let them know that there's a message that God has for you. I believe that God has given me something that's really going to help you. It's really going to revolutionize your life and it's really going to speak to your heart. And so I'm excited to share it. So let's jump into it. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to jump in right in verse 1. And I'm reading from the NIV translation. This is what the Bible says. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. She said, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. He replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I want to talk to you today from this thought, nothing except, nothing except. Except, have you ever made that statement? Somebody asked you, do you have something? And you're like, I don't have anything. And you're like, well, except. I want to talk to you today about how God wants us to see that we have something left. Even though we have lost a lot, there is still something left. Maybe right now you could put your hands together and thank God that there is always something left. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we're asking you that you would speak something into our hearts today that would forever change us. We love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. I can't, I can't hear, but I'm, I'm believing. I'm believing you're saying amen with me. I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Maybe you could say amen in the comment section or a high five or something. I, I need all the help I can get. This is an incredible story. It's about a woman who is in the lowest point of her life. She is in a desperate situation. She finds herself so desperate that her husband has died and the amount of debt he had racked up has now cost her her own sons. The creditors are coming to take her sons away as slaves. She's given everything that she had and still it's not enough. She's lost so much from her husband to probably the deed on her home and her land. And now her sons are getting ready to be taken from her. Everything, it seems, is gone. And a prophet hears her. And she tells him, she says, hey, listen, man, I'm in trouble. 
And maybe you feel like she feels. Maybe you feel like you're in trouble. Maybe you are in a desperate situation. Maybe you are at the low point of your life. Maybe you feel like everything is out of control and nothing is in your control. Maybe you feel like nothing is left. And I want to tell you today, something is left. She is listing all of her losses. Watch it. She's listing all of it from her husband to her sons. And the prophet has to come and the prophet would speak the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is coming to you today and asking you, how can I help? See, God's word wants to help us in this season. God himself wants to help us in this season. But he's also asking another question of us. Not just how can I help, but what do you have left? What do you have in your house? What do you have within your reach that maybe you are overlooking in this season? A very similar story happened in 1 Kings chapter 17. Elisha's mentor, Elijah, is, uh, approaches a woman. He, he approaches a woman in a time of, of a famine and he asks her to make him a cake or, or some bread. And she says, sir, I don't have any bread. I, I, don't have, I don't have that. All I have is some oil and some flour. And I was getting ready to make something for me and my son and then we were going to die of starvation. Isn't it amazing? She says, I don't have bread. All I have is the ingredients. Isn't it wild how that when we have lost so much, we can really overlook what we have left? We can overlook the significance of what we have left. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses is approached by God and God says, Moses, I want you to do something incredible for me. And Moses is like, God, what can I do? What, how can I contribute? And, and even if I do go... What will I say to make them believe me? And God looks at Moses and he says, what's in your hand? I love this because God is saying the same thing to us in this season. The prophet was saying the same thing to this widow. He was saying to her, what you need to do what God has called you to do is already within your reach. Oh man, it's already in your house. You have access to it already. How do you know this, Rob? How do you know that I already have everything I need? Well, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says this. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The Bible teaches us that if Jesus wasn't withheld from us, in other words, if God gave us his only son, then why on earth would we think he would keep anything else from us? I'm telling you today, you have everything you need to accomplish the will of God for your life. And if you need it, but you don't have it, he will get it to you. Come on, you serve a God who can make all things come to you if necessary. He can bring resources into your life that you don't even see where they're coming from. He can open up doors that no man can shut. We serve an awesome God, and in this time and in this season, I don't want you looking around for your deliverance. I want you to look for what's within your reach. Something is in your reach that you are overlooking. And I'm telling you today that God wants to reveal it to you. God isn't leaving your destiny up to someone or something outside of you. God has given you everything that you need that pertains unto life and godliness. This means that if, if you have it, it's what you need. And if you don't have it, you don't need it. Hmm. Man, this is good. Because I think there are a lot of people just sitting around sometimes just kind of waiting for something to happen. 
It's like someone who isn't married thinking that they're not a full person until they get married. You were deceived by Jerry Maguire when she said, or he said, I can't remember, but one of them said, you complete me. No, that's a total lie. No other person completes us. They compliment us. I wasn't half of a person before I met Monica. I was a whole person created in the image of God, full of purpose, full of power. You know, the Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. I understand the power of multiplication, but I was still putting a thousand to flight all by myself. I want you to know today that you are significant, not because of who you are connected to, but because of whose you are. You belong to God. So you're not waiting to be significant. You're not waiting for something to happen to you for you to matter. You're not waiting for somebody to come along and say, hey, here's a title. Now you have purpose. You don't need a title to have purpose. You don't need your own children to act like a parent and to love the people around you. You don't need someone else to tell you you're significant for you to to matter. You matter. Your life matters. And you have something that God has called you to do. You're not waiting for something external to come into your life. What you need is already within your reach. God wants to change how you see what you have left. God wants to change the way you see what you have left because sometimes we can't see what we have left because we are so distracted by what we lost. I've watched through the years as as people who who have lost someone that's very close to them and they find it difficult to get over that loss so much so that they can't see the people that are still left in their life. They can't see the relationships that are still available to them. And they they focus all their attention on that person or thing that they've lost. And I want to tell you something today that you have got to stop focusing on what you've lost. There's no power in what you've lost. There is power in what you have left. Sometimes we can't see it because we keep comparing what we have to what other people have. And we look at it and we think, compared to what they have, man, it's insignificant. Compared to, man, what they're doing, I'm I'm insignificant. Compared to how many followers they have, man, I'm insignificant. Compared to the influence that they have, man, I'm nothing. Compared to the money they have, man, what do I have to offer? I, I, I want to dispel any idea in your mind today that makes you think... That because you have less than somebody, that you are less than somebody. Man, I'm telling you today, no matter what you have left, if you will put it in the hands of God, He can put His power on it. And what you see is oil. What you see as as maybe something that's just insignificant and on the shelf, God's supernatural power can come upon it. And it can become the method of your deliverance. I'm telling you today that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine in your life. So so if God wants to use what I have left, if God has something planned for what I have left, then how do I begin to see what I have left? How do I stop overlooking what I have left? I think one of the first things you have to do is you have to start listening to the right voices. Remember, he comes to her and he says, hey, what do you have in your house? And she says, nothing except. Think about this. She thought she had nothing until it was revealed to her. Hey, wait a second. I do have this jar of oil. Wait, I thought I had nothing. But now that I think about it, now that you make me think about it. 
it reminds me I do have something left. Man, it took a prophet to reveal to her what she had left. She was busy listing her losses from her husband to her sons to her money. And it took a prophet. It took a word from God to reveal to her what she had left. Who are you listening to right now? I'm shocked, honestly, by some of the stuff I see people posting on social media right now. It's an indicator that so many of us are listening to the wrong people right now. We got caught up in so much craziness. Listening to voices we never would have listened to before. Saying things we never even believed before. Because now that it's quiet around us, we've, we've allowed some voices that we never would have allowed in our life to speak into our life. And we're saying things and thinking things we never, never would have before. Who, you are, who, is, who has your ear? Because whoever has your ear is shaping your life and determining your future. You've got to make sure that you are giving your ear to the right person. You got to start by giving your ear to the Lord. You got to start by giving your ear to the Word of God. You got to start by making sure that you're letting the right people speak into your life. You don't get to choose a whole lot about your life, but you do get to choose who you listen to. And I want to challenge you today to listen to the right voices because He revealed, listen, the significance of something that she thought didn't matter. See, when you get saved, your potential changes. When God redeems a thing, what was just oil now becomes your deliverance. See, God is not just a creator, but he is a revealer. Some of us are asking God, God, would you do something creative in my life? And God can, but I'm telling you, most of the time, he's just wanting to reveal what's already around you. He's not just a creator, he's a revealer. Open our eyes to see what's already around us. He reveals something significant that she thinks doesn't, doesn't matter at all. That's why you need people in your life who are going to show you what you can't see and keep reminding you that there is something in you. See, there are people that are in your life right now and all they do is list the stuff that you aren't. They've got a reason. When you step up to do something big, they've got a reason why you can't do it. But you need people in your life who are going to give you the reasons why you can. To make you look and measure. To take inventory of what you have left in your life. Second thing I think we need to do is we need to get our mind out. We need to get our mind out. Because if we can get our mind out, we can get our life out. Think about this. If I'm listening to the right voices, then I'm hearing the right things. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Proverbs teaches me that however I think in my heart, that's how I am. That's who I am. So when my life feels stuck, I got to get my mind out. And if I can get my mind out, my life will follow. Think about this for a moment. If I can begin to get my mind in the right place, my life will follow. As I think in my heart, so am I. I become my thoughts. So what that means for you and me, what that means for us, this is, this is very important. The Bible says in Joel chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Let the weak say I am strong, and let the poor say I am rich. 
In other words, I might not be rich, but I'm not going to act like I'm poor. <laughs> Listen, I might not be strong, but I'm going to act like I'm strong. I'm going to say I'm strong. I might not be rich, but I'm going to act like, and I'm going to say I'm rich. I'm going to, I'm going to act like I'm on a level that I'm not on. Come on, man. I'm telling you today that whatever you are in, however stuck you feel, however burdened you feel, however, however overwhelmed you feel, go ahead and begin to say the opposite of what it looks like. Go ahead and begin to say what you see from heaven and not what you see in the earth. Because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You've got a different perspective of your situation. You're not just in it. You are above it. Come on, the Bible says that you are above and not beneath. You are an overcomer. You are more than an overcomer. Oh, man. You might feel like you are poor, but I'm telling you that if you'll say you're rich, your life will follow what you say. You might feel like you are weak, but if you'll say, man, I'm strong, your life will follow what you say. There's an amazing story in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. An incredible group of Christians in Macedonia. I'll just read it to you because it's so powerful. I'm going to read it from the message translation because it, it just it makes so much sense and it says it so clearly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 says, Now friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came on the people of those churches. Pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. Watch this. This is wild. The Bible says the pressure triggered something totally unexpected. <laughs> they were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. I, I don't know what you are right now. You, you could be desperately poor. You could be desperately single. <laughs> you could be desperately married. You could be desperately in debt. You could be, de whatever, whatever you want to attach desperate to today. I want to tell you that whatever you are desperate in, you can also in that, the Bible says, be incredibly happy. Man, I want that to be said of me. I want that to be said of you that even though I'm in a desperate situation, I still was Incredibly happy. Watch this. The trial exposed their true colors. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected. Even though they were poor, they had an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. Paul said, I saw it. I was there. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford. Pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. Man, that's incredible, isn't it? They are desperately poor, but they are desperately wanting to help the poor. Pleading to help. And they gave. They didn't just give what they could afford. They gave far more than they could afford. What if you're seeing this all wrong? What if your lack is actually creating your supply? What if poverty actually creates prosperity? What if pain actually produces purpose? What if, what if pressure is actually triggering something in your life that is totally unexpected? What if something is going to happen through you that people couldn't see happening, but only God saw it happening? 
What if God is going to do something so incredible to, through, to and through this church that nobody saw it coming except for the Lord? And the pressure that we're under right now triggered something in our lives. It triggered a move of God in the earth like we had never seen before. What if this pressure is producing something wonderful in our lives? Oh, I know there's pain. I know there's suffering. There's always been pain and always been suffering. It's not going to stop. It's not going to end. No matter when this virus ends or when a vaccine comes, there will always be another virus. There will always be another war. There will always be poverty. There will always be trouble. But can we, in the middle of trouble, can we allow it to produce something in us that isn't expected? I believe God is wanting to do something in your life that is unexpected. See, people are expecting you to act a certain way, but you're not. It's, it's unexpected. People are, people are expecting you to lose sleep at night because that's what everybody else is doing, but you're not, and that's unexpected. The pressure is triggering something in you that's unusual. An overflow, an outpouring of generosity, an overflow, an outpouring of God's grace, an overflow and an outpouring of God's love. I love that so much. So when you cannot change what happened, when you cannot change your circumstances, what do you do? You change what you call it. You change what you name it. <laughs> man, in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 18, there's an incredible story there. There's a man named Jacob and his wife Rachel and She's having a son, and it's a devastating moment because Rachel is dying as she is giving birth to their son. It's an incredibly painful moment. It's a heartbreaking moment. And in her heartbreak, she names her son. And she calls her son Ben-Onai, which means son of my suffering or son of my sorrow or trouble. Son of my pain. And his father comes in, Jacob, and he realizes she is named him Benoni, and knowing what that name means, he says, No, no, we cannot name him Benoni. We cannot put that on him for the rest of his life. We cannot name this moment sorrow and suffering, even though that's what's happening. We can't call him that because it might affect his entire future. And see what you name. What you're currently going through can affect your future. He says, no, his name's not going to be Benoni. His name is going to be Benjamin, which means son of my right hand or son of my prosperity. I know this is a season full of sorrow, but let's not name it sorrow. I know this is a season full of pain, but I refuse to name it pain because I'm not going to stick my future I'm not going to put a name on something that's happening in my present that's going to live into my future. Hmm. You got to catch that. That's going to rescue some of you right now because you've been looking back at the things that have happened to you. You said, it's the worst time of my life. It was the most painful time of my life. And 
If you really were to look at it, yes, it's full of pain. Yes, it's full of struggle. Yes, it's full of trouble. But I'm telling you, God has turned it around. And now what you thought was going to end you has actually propelled you into what God has for you. And now that isn't just a season of pain. No, that's the season of prosperity. That was a season of my right hand. That was a season of God exalting me. God raising me up and God sustaining me and God was keeping me and God has brought me to this day and if he brought me through that he'll bring me through this I refuse to name it what it is I I, I will give it the name of what it can be this last thought I want to share with you today I think is possibly the most important so many people refuse to work what they have Do you remember the other story of the woman who was in a desperate situation, her and her son? 1 Kings 17, I mentioned it at the beginning. Elijah, Elisha's mentor, he he goes to a woman and he asks her to make him some bread. And she says, "I, I I don't have any bread, man. And as a matter of fact, I was getting ready to make me and my son some bread. And then we were going to die of starvation. It was going to be our last supper. (laughs) Man. Think about it a second. She's desperate. But before the prophet does anything for her, he asks her to do something for him. He literally looks at her and says, work what you have. I got a little oil. I've got a little flour. Work what you have. It's only enough for one meal. Work what you have. It's only a few pieces of fish and some bread. Work what you have. And if you will work what you have, God will do something supernatural with what you have. I want to tell you, man, people are walking past miracles every day. It's amazing how we look at this time and we say, where are the miracles? And God is doing miracles every single, every single day. God set miracles into motion when he created the heavens and the earth. He set miracles into motion and they happen every day. The fact that you are breathing air is a miracle every day. The fact that your heart beats every day, it's a miracle. The fact that you have running water coming out of your faucet, it's a miracle. What you consider normal is someone else's miracle. You are living a miracle life. You are. The poorest in the United States is richer than most of the world. You're living a miracle life. You're walking past miracles Every day. Some of you are living in houses that you pleaded with God for and now are complaining about. Some of you are in relationships that you beg God. You beg God. Oh God, let her say yes. Let him say yes. And you have them. You have it. And now you're complaining. Some of you are complaining about a job you pleaded with God for. Why? Because he gave it to you by miracle. But when you get it, what does he expect? He expects you to work it. He expects you to make something of it. Oh, 10 years later, the house might not be what it was when you first got it. It might be run down a little bit, but why is it run down? It's run down because you didn't work it. <laughs> Same way with when, when you give a car to a teenager and they don't take it to get the oil changed and they don't clean the inside of it. And when they, when they remember when they first got it on their birthday and it had the bow on top of it and they passed out on the ground and couldn't believe they had a car 
Just a few years later, they're complaining about it. Why? Because they didn't work it. They didn't take care of it. And now it's broken down. And we're looking at God. God, I need a miracle. And God's saying, I gave you a miracle. I need you to work it. Some of you are frustrated in your marriage right now, but it's not because your marriage isn't a miracle. It's because you didn't work the miracle. Here's something I'm going to tell you about God that you have to understand. And for some of you, this may shock you. But listen, if you are living in a promise, or if you are close to a promise, God does less in the promise than he does outside of the promise. I'm going to give you scripture for it. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 35. The Bible says that when the children of Israel, when they crossed over into Canaan, which was the promise, the manna stopped. Think about it. When they crossed into Canaan, the manna stopped. When they got into their promise, the manna stopped coming from heaven. They were living a miracle life, guided by fire, guided by a cloud. Manna, bread falling from the sky. Shoes weren't wearing out. Clothes weren't wearing out. God was fighting. He was winning wars for them on a, on a weekly basis. And man, here they are. They cross over into the promise. And what has, what has to happen now? Now they got to work. Now they got to work the land. Now they got to make shoes. Now they got to they got to make clothes. Now they're in the promise. Watch this. Because when you are in the promise, God does less and expects more of you. When you are in the promise of God, he does less and expects more of you. God, I need a miracle. Make a cake. God, I need a miracle. What do you have left? <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, you've got to work what you have. In Judges 15, the Bible says that Samson is getting ready to fight. The Bible says he's looking around for a weapon and he picks up the jawbone of a donkey. I have never watched a movie and when, you know that part of the movie when they go to where the, all the weapons are and they open up the door and you see all the weapons on the wall and there's maybe a sword or a machete or something or a gun or something. I've never seen anybody in the movie go, hey man, you know, give me that donkey jaw. Nobody, nobody I've never seen anybody do that. But Samson sees a weapon out of a donkey's jawbone. I'm wondering how many times are you walking past your miracle but you don't see it the way God sees it. I'm telling you, I'm praying today that God would open your eyes to see what is already around you. This is, this is awesome. This is awesome because I, I can spend so much of my life hoping that something happens to me. Or I can, I can realize that whatever needs to happen is already happening around me. The Bible says she obeyed what the man of God told her to do, that she sent her sons and they went and grabbed as many jars as they could. This is definitely a story about capacity. You know, in this time, God is, is really trying to increase your capacity. He's trying to grow you in this time because there's something that he wants to pour into your life and he needs you to have room to receive it. So he's trying to make space because you will never know your capacity if you insist on your comfort. Why is that? Because listen, your ability to believe will never catch up to God's ability to perform. So God has to constantly increase your capacity. Don't go through this. 
and not have an increased capacity. Don't go through this and not have an increased capacity for pain and suffering and increased capacity for for empathy and increased capacity for, for the failures and faults of people around you and increased understanding of the world and what people are going through. Don't go through this and and not increase. Increase here. Increase now. Grow in your capacity because the level in which you grow in your capacity is the level of oil that you will experience in your life. But this is not just a story about capacity. This is a story about faith to pour out what you have left. Because the oil from heaven doesn't fill your little jar until you start to pour it out. Notice that as soon as she starts to pour it out, heaven starts to pour in. And sometimes in a time like this, we want to hold so tightly to the things that we have. We want to hold them so close because we're so afraid if we let them go, we'll lose what we have left. God is saying, until you let it go, you'll never experience heaven's flow. You have to let go of what you have left so that God can begin to pour what he has into your situation. So don't hold on to anything in this season. Let it go. Release it into the hands of the Lord. Maybe you're thinking today, man, I, I don't have that great of a gift. All I, I, I can sing a little bit. I, I can play a little bit. I can write a little bit. I, I can... If it's a little bit, give it. You've been seeing everybody else sing songs on Instagram and social media. Go ahead and do it yourself. You've been seeing everybody else write a book. Everybody and their brother's got a book now. Write something yourself. Whatever you have, pour it out. Give it to the Lord and watch heaven's supply come in and do what you could not do for yourself. I want to challenge you in this today. I want to challenge you in this word today. Hear it, receive it, put it into practice and watch God begin to increase your capacity and do something supernatural in your life. I want to pray for you today. Let's bow our heads. Father in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. God, and I'm I'm declaring today not what I see in the natural. I'm declaring what I see from my position Seated with you in heavenly places. I see victory. I see overcomers. I see champions for God. I see songwriters. I see artists. I see entrepreneurs. I see not what I'm looking at in the natural, but I see something supernatural taking place. God, I I declare life where there is death. I, I declare healing where there is sickness. I declare prosperity where there is poverty. God, I declare it in the name of Jesus. Let the weak say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, today is also a day of salvation. Every day is an opportunity for someone to say yes to Jesus. 
And maybe today is that day for you. Maybe today is the day you stop running from God and you say, God, here's my life. Take it. Use it for your glory. Forgive me. Make me your child. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me today. Maybe that's you today. And I want to encourage you today. If that is you, I want to tell you today, today is the day of salvation. Make the decision to follow Jesus today. Today's your day. Today is the day that you begin the rest of your life. Today is the day your potential changes. Today is the day everything changes for you. I believe it in the name of Jesus. So if you've made that decision today, or maybe you've made it over the past few weeks, but you haven't let us know, please let us know. Say something in the comment section. Send us a message through any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Send us an email. Go on our website, visitcalvary.com. Connect with us there. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also love for you, if you haven't been baptized, please call the church. We are baptizing people one by one. We are setting up appointments because we still want people to be baptized. We're even encouraging people. Man, if you lead somebody to the Lord, tell their spouse, tell someone to dunk them in their bathtub. <laughs> we want to see people baptized in this time. And I'm, I'm just excited to see what God is doing. You know, Calvary Church, you've been a blessing to our community. You've been an incredible blessing to our community. So many of you have served. So many of you have given. And I'm so thankful for all that you have given. I, I believe that this pressure is triggering something in us, an unusual outpouring of generosity, and I'm thankful for that. So continue to give if you can. I love you so much. We are so grateful for you. God bless you, and I'll see you guys very soon.